Section 2 of Constructive Conscious Control of the Individual by F. Matthias Alexander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Preface to New Edition Mankind today stands at bay. In the world outside himself, his plans and schemes have not worked out as he expected. Theories and beliefs faithfully held have failed when brought to the test of actual practice. Hence, it is not unreasonable to conclude that even if the basis of these theories and beliefs were sound, man's reaction in translating them into practice has led him into error and consequent failure. One thing is certain. The bridging of the gap between theory with its associated beliefs and practice depends at every step upon the human element, for it is the nature of the reaction of the individual engaged in the task of this bridging, the carrying out of the plan or theory, that will determine the measure of success or failure. The all-important consideration, therefore, in bridging the gap between theory and practice is the makeup of the individual, particularly the sensory makeup. The manner of the use and functioning of the psychophysical mechanisms responsible for his reactions in carrying out the activities required for this bridging, as for all his activities, depends upon the nature of the registering of sensations and experiences. And where this registering is trustworthy, the beliefs and judgments which result may be correspondingly trustworthy, but not otherwise. The high estimate I hold of the part played by the human sensorium in the use and functioning of the self will be clear from this book, for its four parts are devoted to sensory appreciation in its relation to man's evolutionary development, learning to do, man's needs and happiness. In an interesting passage quoted in my book The Use of the Self, pages 115-16, Sir Arthur Eddington points out that religious belief is based upon experience but goes on to admit that there is such a thing as illusion, and that not every experience is to be taken at face value. Hence, it may be of interest and value to give consideration to the use and functioning of the human self that makes possible the registering of experience upon which religious and other belief is based. Certain it is that without the functioning of the human sensorium, this registration would not be possible, and hence it will be seen how all essential it is that the human sensorium should function as a reliable register in order to minimize the effect of sensory illusion in the forming and assessing the validity of the beliefs upon which our judgment of reality depends. For the nature of this functioning determines the nature of this registration, and this in turn determines the nature of the experience upon which belief is based, and is therefore the forerunner of all we finally accept in arriving at our judgment in the matter of reality. If the leaders in the religious life of the past and the prophets had given due recognition to this in assessing the nature and value of the experiences upon which they believed religious and other beliefs should be based, their followers would not have been so frequently led into error by mistaking illusion for reality. Instead, they might have been led to unknown experiences 
far beyond the present limits of human conception of experience, as they passed from the instinctive to the conscious in changing and improving the use and functioning of the human self. In this connection, I think it may be of general interest to quote the following passage from the thought and character of William James by Ralph Barton Perry, which shows the attitude of William James towards sensory experience. Professor Perry writes, In speaking first of James's sensibility, I do not mean his susceptibility to feeling or emotion, but the acuity of his senses, the voluminousness and richness of the experience which he received through them, and the prominence of that experience and of its underlying motive in his life as a whole. His psychological writings testify to his discrimination of organic sensations. Having a high sensuous endowment and being avid of sensory experience, it is not surprising that he should have felt such experience to convey the authentic revelation of reality. It is the unsaid but fundamental premise of his whole metaphysics that only he can speak authoritatively of the universe who is most sensitively attuned to it. Metaphysics is an apprehending of reality in its most immediate and lifelike aspect, or a listening to hear, quote, the pulse of being beat, end quote. When he said that he found no good warrant for even suspecting the existence of any reality of a higher denomination than that distributed and strung along and flowing sort of reality which we finite beings swim in, he was placing his ultimate reliance on the human sensorium. Quote. This is of particular interest to me because a member of the medical profession, a close friend of William James, had interested him enough in my work to persuade him to come to me in London for a course of lessons. Unfortunately, unforeseen circumstances interfered with this plan so I did not have the pleasure and honor of numbering him among my pupils. For me this has been a lifelong regret, because from what this friend told me there can be little doubt that much could have been done to help him to enlarge his experience by means which would tend to restore trustworthiness to the sensory processes which were more or less untrustworthy and bring the psychophysical processes which activated his high sensuous endowment under conscious control, thus enabling him to bridge the gap between the instinctive and the conscious way of living. I am emboldened to make this claim because of the knowledge I have gained through the evolution of my technique, first in teaching myself and then in my long experience of teaching others. As my technique evolved, it became increasingly clear that by its procedures provision is made for coming into contact with the unknown, because the improved condition of psychophysical functioning brought about is not the result of working for a previously conceived and directed end, the known, but emerges as the indirect result of the employment of recent means whereby improved conditions in the use of the self are brought about, the unknown. This result does not come about by inducing self-hypnotism, or because of some chance happening, as for instance the coming into contact with an outside influence, personal or otherwise, or the possession of some natural aptitude, habitual reaction, which is fitted to produce a certain desired result. 
In all these cases, instinct rather than the thinking and reasoning processes are relied upon. Whereas reasoning from the known to the unknown, as in my technique, depends upon the conscious employment of means that conform to biological, physiological, and other laws known to us, in which also the observation of phenomena in cause and effect can be tested according to strict scientific method, so that, as Dr. Dewey writes in his introduction, the causes that are used to explain the consequences or effects can be concretely followed up to show that they actually produce these consequences and not others. End quote. Today, I do not know of any person who doubts that if a man is to evolve in the right direction, the gap between instinctive and conscious control of the self must be bridged, in order to bridge the gap between idealistic theory and actual practice. During the past 50 years, I have had a unique experience in helping men and women in many walks of life to do this, by employing their conscious reasoning processes in changing and improving their human sensorium as they pass from the known, wrong, to unknown, right experiences of their use of themselves. Moreover, and all-important, the prerequisite to each step in this process was the restoration of trustworthiness to the human sensorium without which a human being could not register experience so as to be able to test its validity. The untrustworthiness of the sensory appreciation of the people of the sage is demonstrable, and will be found to be extreme in the rapidly increasing number of people afflicted with the so-called mental and criminal tendencies. Few people would accept as trustworthy the experiences related to them by any person who was a so-called mental case, and by the same token, we should be wise not to accept at face value the experiences of anyone else or place implicit confidence in the judgment and conclusions based on these experiences unless we have good reason for believing that the sensorium of that person is a trustworthy guide in functioning and in registering impressions. Summed up, the foregoing meets the well-known point at issue between the adherents of science and of religion, the scientist finding fault because of the want of what he calls operational verification of the experiences of the unknown upon which religious faith is based, and the adherents of religion claiming that many of their experiences, although not verifiable objectively, should not on that account be rejected by the scientist, for they're nonetheless real. My earnest plea is for the unprejudiced consideration of the education that I have advocated for the gaining of unknown experiences in the improvement in the use of self. This is an education equally for the adult as for the child, and involves improvement of the nature of their sensory appreciation as an essential training for a more trustworthy registration of any other experiences which may come to them, so minimizing their present liability to fall into error even if they inherit a high sensuous endowment, such as Professor Perry tells us that William James possessed. It is true that dependence upon instinctive reaction meets the needs of the animal kingdom. But the world crisis of our day serves to show that such dependence no longer meets man's needs 
when he tries to translate into practice his idealistic theories with regard to self-improvement, growth, and progress. F. Matthias Alexander, Hotel Braymore, Commonwealth Avenue, Boston, Massachusetts. End of section 2.